These are the daily lectionary comments for uh, Monday in the second week of Lent. We're going to look at Genesis chapter 18, where um, three mysterious figures uh, come to Abraham. And then Mark chapter 6, beginning at verse 14, which primarily is dealing with the death of John the Baptist. All right, Genesis chapter 18, and we have Abraham uh, sitting at the door of his tent, and then suddenly he sees three men coming toward him. And at this point, um, Abraham is acting um, with a lot of urgency to uh, to be hospitable to these three men. It doesn't describe the, the men, but evidently something about them uh, told Abraham that these are important individuals, not just some servant passing by, but uh, uh, you know, but but important individuals, and so he he was engaging them uh, with f- the famous uh, ancient Near Eastern hospitality that you you provide food and and a meal for for uh, uh, travelers, for example. And he's going to do that for these three men. Now, uh, the text does not tell us anything about where these men came from, their names, or anything about them, except that as the text progresses, we realize that something extraordinary is going on here. The men seem to know a great deal more than you might expect strangers walking through the land would know. Also, I want you to look... uh, at verse nine, they, they've they've had sort of a back and forth as as Abraham wants to get them food and so on, and they say, well, you know, go go do do what you want to do, and you know, we'll 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 be here. Verse nine, though, it says they said to him, "Where is Sarah, your wife?" And he said, "She is in the tent." Now look at verse nineteen. The Lord said, "I will sh- surely return to you about this time next year." And Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. Now that is very fascinating. Look at at um, verse thirteen. The Lord said to Abraham, "Why did Sarah laugh and say, Shall I indeed bear a child now that I am old? Is nothing or is anything too hard for the Lord?" What's interesting is you have three men here, but one of them, when he speaks, is said to be the Lord. The Lord is speaking. We see this in other places where sometimes the angel of the Lord and the Lord just kind of seamlessly blend uh, in with one another. When Moses is encountering the burning bush, it's, um, uh, you know, the, it, it's, it, the Lord is speaking, or the angel of the Lord is speaking. When when Jacob wrestled with the angel, was it the angel of the Lord? Was it an angel? Was it the Lord himself? And when you read the text, you see it's just not clear. It goes back and forth as though it's both. It's And here we have a similar thing. Now, Christians traditionally have looked at this and said, aha, there are three. and And when they speak, it's the Lord. And so Christians traditionally have seen this as a, a sort of a, a preview of what would later be known among God's people as the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God is revealing himself as three here. Now, uh, there, there's, that, that is a reasonable thing to see 
from our perspective, it would not have been something that that the original readers of this or Abraham would have recognized. However, this going back and forth between angels and the Lord is something that pops out in the text. And so it demonstrates that that the Lord uh, is revealing himself to to Abraham in an extraordinary way. Christians also will be quick to say, here we have a, 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 a pre-incarnate um, manifestation of Jesus. This is Jesus, uh, who is both the Lord and a human being standing before uh, uh, Abraham. Well, okay, so what are they saying? Uh, they say, uh, in one year, your wife is going to give birth. They, he, the Lord, says this and makes this promise. Sarah laughs in her tent uh and and the lord says why did she laugh and sarah denies it i did not laugh no but you did um this is uh this is kind of important well i guess not important it's interesting because isaac's name means he laughs and and so there's a play on that isaac is named because both abraham and sarah laughed at the thought that in their old age they were to have a child it's a joyful laugh but Maybe with Sarah, it was a little bit skeptical, and and uh, at any rate, uh, then she denied it. So so that wasn't that wasn't good. But at any rate, there's some delight here, and there's this promise because we have been going along, and God has promised that He would make a great nation out of Abraham. But up to this time, He's not had a child yet. Um, that is a child by Sarah. Finally, finally, that child is coming, and so we have the promise, and so that's very beautiful. Now. The, the tomorrow's reading is going to take up in chapter 21, which means we are skipping the remainder of 18, 19, and 20. I would recommend that you go ahead and read the rest of chapter 18. It's not very long, a couple of paragraphs. Um, but here's what happens in a nutshell. These three men will uh, head off after, after uh, Abraham is done entertaining them. They will head off towards Sodom and Gomorrah. And Abraham will follow them for a piece. And then two of them will continue on to Sodom after, uh, and then we're, we're sort of led into the conversation where the Lord, one of these three, um, is sort of talking to the other two and saying, shall we let Abraham in on this, on what we're doing here? We, we surely should. That This is a man we're going to, he is going to be a blessing to the whole world. We are going to we are going to reveal to him what is going on here. So two angels go on towards Sodom, but one of them stops and has a conversation with Abraham. And it is explicitly said to be a conversation between Abraham and the Lord. So two of the angels proceed on. One of the angels stays right here. And Abraham and the Lord have a conversation about the fate of Sodom. And this is just a lovely little scene where uh, uh, essentially God reveals to Abraham his plans to investigate what's going on, and, but, but he's going to destroy the city. He knows what's going on. The city is going to be destroyed, and Abraham can't believe that every single person in that city is wicked. Of course, Abraham also knows that Lot lives there too. So Abraham begins to negotiate with God. Now, of course, we can't negotiate with God unless God allows us to, and God allowed Abraham to do this. And, and the reason why he does this it is a picture of how the church itself, how God's people should intercede for the world, even though the world may be in and of itself corrupt uh, and, and degraded. We still, we still intercede with the Lord uh, for, for mercy wherever we can. And we see Abraham doing this 
on behalf of Sodom. And we see this, this lovely little back and forth where God sort of gets talked down. Uh, but again, God holds all the cards, so he knows what he's going to do. But in the end, Lot and his family are uh, uh, rescued from the city uh, and allowed to come out. And of course, Lot's wife turns, looks back, and, and, and so bad things happen to her. But nevertheless, um, Abraham talking with the Lord, one of these three men, um, uh, negotiates and intercedes for Sodom, causing the salvation of some. And you might say that the world itself is like Sodom today. It's going to be destroyed. Um, but we Christians are doing two things. We are pleading with the Lord for mercy for the world, and we are also trying to save out of that world as many as we can. Uh, and we are trusting that the Lord will not sweep away the righteous with the wicked. So uh, in many ways, we engage in a very similar kind of, of, of dialogue with the Lord, as is pictured here in this. But you've got to read it, because that's, that's in chapter 18 and chapter 19. So you've got to read about this. Otherwise, that's the story, and that's what happens after this. We'll take it up with the birth of Isaac tomorrow. All right, I went a little long with uh, the Genesis reading. Uh, we're now looking to look at Mark chapter 6, uh, beginning at verse 14. Now this is, Jesus has just sent the 12 out um, uh, two by two in, in this, uh, this, the missionary work uh, to visit the villages and, and let them know that Jesus uh, is coming. And, but the text uh, begins, the text begins today with Herod hearing about this. In other words, he's heard about Jesus' fame and now how his disciples are being sent out. And, and this is ominous because Herod uh, immediately thinks of John. We know John has been arrested, but we're now going to learn that John has not just been arrested, but that actually he has been killed. And then the, the fact that Herod had John killed is put in this text as, as kind of a parenthesis. Um, so in, in other words, it, the, the text digresses. It's talking about how Herod's thinking this is John the Baptist returned from the dead. Oh, I need to tell you how John uh, ended up uh, being killed. And then, so we have the story of, of um, um, you know, Herodias and her daughter and, and the dancing for Herod and a very, very sordid little uh, affair. Um, and so this is how John uh, lost his life. The, the real meaning here, however, and the important thing in the text here is that as Jesus' fame is spreading, uh, he is now drawing the attention of people like Herod. As well, he is drawing the attention of a great many crowds that are coming to find Jesus. And Herod's connecting Jesus with John, and then our being reminded of what happened with John is a little bit of a preview of what ultimately is going to happen with Jesus. As he grows and his fame spreads, those who have it out for him are, are going to begin their plotting. And right now, Herod isn't plotting anything with respect to Jesus, but we see how it went with John, and we all know how it's going to go with Jesus. So there's a little bit of a preview there uh, in, in this digression to, to talk about the death of John. And then it goes back to Jesus' fame and all the, the people coming from all the villages, so much so that uh, he, he, he tells the apostles, let's go out, let's find a desolate place where we can get some rest. But the people follow him there. Uh, and, and so they, they're, they're just, you can get the sense that they're just being harried with so many people with so many needs. Um, and you feel sorry for him for a moment, but then you see that it's actually Jesus that is having compassion on all these people 
that are walking who knows how far and who, who knows to what desolate places in order to find the Lord and his apostles. And, and so Jesus looks at them and he has compassion on them and he sees them uh, as, as like sheep without a shepherd, which is a, a lovely way of, of Jesus describing uh, truly what he is to Israel. He is the great shepherd of Israel. A, a term, by the way, often employed for God in the Old Testament. God is Israel's shepherd, uh, and Israel is the flock of God, the sheep of his hand. And so Jesus uh, is looking at God's people and embracing them as his own and seeing himself. Of course, John uh, develops this with his I am the good shepherd uh, uh, discourse. But okay. So um, uh, so that, that's enough for our text today, and we will continue on tomorrow with the feeding of, uh, of 5,000.